This week's podcast is brought to you by the State of Online STEM Education in the U.S., an upcoming national survey from the Online Learning Consortium and the Every Learner Everywhere Network. The survey will explore the online STEM landscape through the lenses of faculty, institutional leadership, researchers, and policymakers. Please sign up and take the survey at studyinput.com. That's studyinput.com. Hello and welcome to the EdSurge podcast. I'm Emily Tate, a reporter here. The new realities of the COVID-19 pandemic are starting to set in this week for all of us. For educators, that means disrupted routines and a shift to online learning at many schools. In the United States so far, 46 states have decided to close schools altogether, affecting more than 54 million students nationwide. That's 54 million students out of a total of about 56 million in the country. And no one knows how long this will last. Some have noted that this feels like the first few steps of a marathon. This week, I sat down with Christine Algersma, a senior editor of social media and learning resources at the nonprofit Common Sense Media. As both a parent and a former teacher, she understands just how much is being asked of educators and families right now. During our conversation, Christine offers some actionable advice for teachers and parents looking to better support their children and themselves. Not to give it all away now, but she says that human connection is more critical than instructional time and that educators and parents should let themselves off the hook a little bit since these are unprecedented times and no one can be expected to handle it perfectly. Anyway, I'll save the rest for Christine to explain. Thanks for being here. Um, so I know you have a lot of good information to share with us today, and I'm eager to get to that. But given how surreal and frankly uh, scary these circumstances are, I first just want to check in and ask, how are you doing? <laughs> I am okay. Um, I actually have a cold right now, so I apologize for the stuffiness. But yeah, I'm doing okay. And I, I want to ask where you're calling in from and maybe how that's different from your normal work arrangement. I am currently calling in from my home, uh, which is just outside San Francisco. And our main office is in the city of San Francisco. So, yeah. So I'm here at home, as most of us are. At what point do you feel like you had a wake-up call where you said to yourself, okay, this is going to possibly change everything about our daily life? I think when the news stories started to, it felt like dominoes starting to fall. So schools closing here, rumors of schools maybe closing, and then I could feel the momentum building. I think that was, that was the moment for me where I knew everything was about to really uh, change. Yeah. So um, I'm sure a lot has happened since then, even if that was only a week ago. Um, it seems like a lot is happening every day. And of course, our nation's educators are bearing the brunt of that with abrupt school closures and indefinite return dates. So let's start there. I know Common Sense has come up with some resources to help educators navigate this new reality. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those? Yes, um, and I'll just start by saying um, that I am a parent and I was a teacher. So just thinking about what teachers are going through right now, um, it's really intense. And to have to make that switch so quickly and on the fly and figure this all out is 
you know, really quite something. And so, um, and I, there are a lot of resources coming at them right now. So hopefully um, what we have available will be streamlined enough that um, it can be really helpful and kind of take them through what they need. But what we've tried to do is break it down into, um, you know, ways to organize yourself as a teacher, to plan, to figure out what method you want to use to connect with kids, um, whether you're going to do it asynchronously or live stream, and then ways to actually deliver the material. So if you want to deliver that sort of via slideshow, if you want to, again, deliver it face-to-face -face via live stream, you know, there are so many options. Um, so I think making those decisions first is a, is a good place to start. You know, one of the things that you have some advice on is virtual learning, which you're referring to. Um, a lot of schools are going to be turning to this in the coming weeks, possibly months. Um, what, do you, what advice do you have for those that are ramping that up? And then what about those that are not enabled to offer that? Um, I think uh, for schools who are trying to do remote learning, um, some advice I've heard from teachers who are doing it already are, uh, is that they should really focus on the basics. So you won't be able to do everything you were going to do um, what you plan to do. So you've got to really focus and streamline. Figure out how you're going to connect with your students. Um, and I think some kind of, if it's possible, some kind of face-to-face -face connection, um, at least a little bit a day, is really helpful for both you and the kids. Because as we know, that connection with the teacher is really important. Um, it keeps the structure and also it's just that human element um, that might help kids feel a little bit less anxious. And then, you know, we have to talk about digital citizenship also, because if all learning is on the computer, um, we have to set some boundaries around that. So it's important to talk about um, what, how to be kind, uh, how to use the chat, if they can use the chat. Um, and you know what it means to be communicating via maybe just text so tone uh audience you know who you're talking to um so i think starting with some digital citizenship is good to put some boundaries around it as well set it again setting boundaries around how to behave on screen how to behave with teachers um, online how to behave with other students online um, those are some things that, that teachers can address very directly. So what are the, what are the limits? What are the rules going to be? Um, and, you know, be very explicit about what kids can and cannot do. You know, I, I saw that one of the things you have on the website is resources for well-being. And does that include, um, you know, both teachers and students, and how would you, how would you say is a way to address that as a teacher with your students, um, but also for a teacher, him or herself, um, to keep that anxiety in check and address um, all the different emotions they may be feeling right now? Well, I think building in breaks is really important. Um, so generally during the school day, 
kids and teachers are going to have at least some chunks of time that are breaks, natural breaks. And if you're doing remote learning, it may be, you may have to build those in um, very deliberately and make sure that kids are getting outside if they can, uh, moving around. Teachers can use Go Noodle. That's a great resource if they're not already using it. Um, but those movement breaks are really important for both teachers and students. Um, getting outside, getting some fresh air, uh, especially when we're all feeling a little bit trapped, um, I think it's really important for well-being. Um, of course, there are meditation apps. There are, there are deep breaths and stretches. Um, as an organization, we actually did a stretch together on screen. Uh, and it was really great. It just felt very connected. And um, I think it made us all feel a little better. Um, and then for teachers, I think it's really important um, to let yourself off the hook a little bit. It's not going to be perfect. And I think there are lessons within the lessons that can come with this whole experience. I think there are opportunities. And if we have our eye on what those opportunities are as they emerge, um, when there are problems, we're modeling problem solving. You know, if, if there are glitches, we're uh, modeling perseverance. So I think there are a lot of ways that this experience can, can be instructive in ways we might not expect. Um, and might not be part of the, the set curriculum. Um, so those opportunities are great. Um, and just along those lines, I think looking for opportunities to let student-led instruction or project-based learning or things maybe you haven't tried before because of whatever constraints you might be running into as a teacher, this might be the time to try them. And if they don't work, it's okay. But um, I think experimenting, letting kids follow their interests as much as possible, um, it can be actually kind of a great experience, um, but it's not gonna be perfect and that's okay. And I know you also um, have some resources for teachers working with and supporting families during this time, because of course they are in a unique situation as well. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes, I think it's really important to be in contact, to have a, a closed loop because we are all in this together. So um, communicating with parents and getting feedback from parents also, I think is really important. Um, administrators also would be great to get some feedback and find out how things are going. And to try to get in touch, you know, equity is something we also need to talk about because some families do not have the same resources. And so if you're setting up online learning, there will be families who may not be able to do that easily. Um, so there are some resources like Everyone On or PCs for People um, that administrators can help facilitate for their community members to use if online learning is the way that they're gonna go. Um, but yes, I think using tools like Remind, um, Talking Points, which is multilingual, um, Zoom, Google Meets, you know, all, all of those tools just to close the loop and stay connected, communicate. Communication is key, um, especially during times like this. So that it is very important. 
Yeah, I mean, you've said this now both for um, teachers working with students and teachers supporting families that it, it's really coming back to connection, right? Like people need that assurance right now more than they need the content of their academic lesson. Yes, and I have, you know, I've, I've read some articles and I've seen some, um, some posts about, you know, worries that students might fall behind, um, that they aren't going to get the same instruction, et cetera. And I, I think, you know, there are valid concerns. And at the same time, I think we can't put that kind of pressure on ourselves or on the kids, especially right now. Um, it's very true that they may not get the same kind of instruction or um, make the same kind of progress, but um, I think that's okay. And I think we're all doing our best. And, um, and again, there may be other valuable pieces to this experience that may not translate into um, something they're tested on, but uh, still could be a great learning experience. After the short break, we'll be talking with Christine about how the coronavirus is affecting parents. Stay with us. This week's episode is brought to you by Every Learner Everywhere in partnership with the Online Learning Consortium. They're running a survey of the online STEM landscape. I asked the survey's leader, Devin Kinsilla, what cultural factors are holding back adoption of online STEM education? It's a very safe thing to do to kind of continue with these labs that have been taught, you know, for generations, quite honestly. I mean, we had evidence that some of the labs that, that we see in undergraduate labs are can direct, the lineage goes right back to the 1890s and you can kind of follow, I mean, you know, things change a little bit, modernize a little bit, different equipment, but the origin is actually in the 1890s, which is good and bad. But there's also a number of other things. You know, one is is that it's gonna. I think it's going to come out very clearly. People haven't come to grips with what a hands-on experience in a lab is. When you first ask faculty why are they doing labs, probably the first or second thing they say is because they need a hands-on experience with the tools of science. And, you know, so they're not quite sure how that happens in an online environment, even if you have a wonderful simulation or if you have, you're actually using real instrumentation with robotic arms and it's, it, but the experiment is 100 miles away. So it's that kind of concept, cultural concept that they need a hands-on experience in their lab, in their, you know, kind of going through school that does that. You can sign up and take the survey at studyinput.com. That's studyinput.com. Now back to the episode. That's a good transition into the other half of the resources Common Sense has put together, which are for parents and families. Uh, what do those look like? Yes, so we also have a ton of stuff for parents. Um, and, you know, I think since kids are getting so much information about coronavirus and what's happening right now, um, we don't want to inundate kids with the 24 hour news cycle for sure. So we want to limit how much they have to um, hear and see about this and what information they do get. We want to make sure it's child appropriate and accurate. So um, if they're going on YouTube and searching for lots of videos, it's possible they'll run into misinformation or disinformation. So we want to make sure that they're getting their information from the CDC um, and reliable sources of information just to protect and give them that news literacy piece. Um, 
But again, the, the quality of anxiety is really important for both, you know, kids pick up what we're putting down as parents. So uh, if we're anxious, and a lot of us are, um, kids are probably absorbing some of that. So the, the more that we can calm ourselves and kind of communicate that to our kids that day by day, we're, we're together, we're okay. Um, and we'll just take it one step at a time that, you know, can help ease kids' fears. Um, and of course, we have tools, meditation tools, mental health tools, and apps that parents can look into as well. Um, but getting out and moving, as we were talking about, is also really important because that sense of being pent up uh, can also translate into more anxiety, feeling more amped up. So using any kind of tool, you know, my, my daughter loves Ring Fit, which is a Nintendo Switch. Um, so if you're trapped inside, that's a good way to go. Just dance, doing yoga, YouTube videos, old school twister, you know, <laughs> there are all kinds of options um, to keep yourself moving and a little bit less anxious. And yeah, so you mentioned your daughter. How old is she? And can you share maybe how you have been um, talking about this, the virus, and sort of the fallout from that with her? Sure. Um, she is 10. And so far, she is loving online school. She, <laughs> she likes it very much. Um, and I, you know, I don't get the sense that she's extremely anxious about it, which is good. Um, but we definitely, we, we try to let her take the lead in terms of how much information she wants. So, um, we have talked about it, but we have tried not to over talk about it or give her information that she's not looking for. Um, and I think the togetherness, the connection between us as a family is also really calming for kids. So I think some kids are going to look back on this time and I've read this other places and you know, they're like, wow, you know, both of my caregivers were home or my, you know, my mom got to be home or whatever the, the case is. And so it could be actually a great memory. Um, and that's what I'm trying to try to keep my eye on the positivity that could come, the opportunities that are, that are coming, which isn't always easy. I'm not doing it perfectly. <laughs> um, I have my moments, but, uh, yeah, but that's my goal. Yeah, and, and so obviously there are many hours in the day that are not going to be devoted to schooling and education um, in the traditional sense. So how are you filling some of those extra hours with her? Are you, you know, doing, watching movies or reading books or launching any big creative projects together as a family? Uh, we have not watched any big creative projects yet, but um, we definitely have been getting outside, going on walks, um, and we definitely be trying to keep a structure. We, since she's going to remote school, it has kept some of the natural structure, um, but if she, the first day um, that she was off of school, the teachers were preparing, so I prepared just a you know, a little schedule for her based on interests. It wasn't a rigid, you know, you have to do this by this time. 
but I think just the act of like getting up, getting dressed, um, here are some options for these times and just feeling like, uh, someone is minding the store <laughs> is the, is a phrase I like to use, you know, like there's containment, there are boundaries around this experience. I feel safe. Um, and here are some fun things that I can do with my time that also could be learning related or constructive. And of course, on our site, we have lots of resources. We have free educational apps and websites, games. Um, we have lots of great movies and documentaries, uh, lots of book lists. So there are a ton of things if parents are looking um, for tools. We have lots there for them to explore um, and find something that works for their kid. And how would you say, I guess if at all, um, some of these strategies would need to change depending on the age of your child or children? You know, if you have a preschool-aged child, you have to talk about this differently than if you have a high schooler, right? Yes, absolutely. And I've been thinking about parents who have younger kids and multiple younger kids and are trying to work from home and juggle the kids. And I mean, that's, that's a whole nother ball game. Um, it's not easy. And so um, definitely the way you're talking about it is different. Um, but also the way that you have to structure the day is going to be different. And um, it's going to probably be even more difficult because the kids need more of your attention and more guidance. Um, I can, if it's helpful, name some tools, um, some apps that parents of little kids especially can use um, for the times when they really just need a, a hot minute <laughs> to, do, to do something, either work or make a meal or whatever it is. Um, one for uh, toddlers or younger kids that's actually for parents, but if you're running out of things, you know, you're like, what else can I, what can I do? What can I do? There's an app called Daily Vroom, V-R-O-O-M, um, that will actually give you ideas. So you can use that um, for those times, the dark times, when <laughs> your brain has stopped working and you're not sure what to do next with your little kid. And the libraries are closed, but there are resources through the libraries. Canopy and Libby are both services. Uh, Canopy, you can watch free videos with a library card, and Libby, you can listen to audiobooks. But I could, I could go on and on. So many great tools for kids. It's also important for parents to remember that in terms of screen use, all the worries we have about our kids using screens and how much time. And I think right now, um, you know, it's, it's different. It's a different time. Um, and if the content is quality and age appropriate, then they're probably getting something out of it. And again, we kind of have to let ourselves off the hook um, because it's, these are trying times we're in right now. I imagine a lot of people will be relieved to hear you say that. I, <laughs> I know my screen time has gone up. I'm sure a lot of others have too. Yeah. Um, I think maybe just the last question I have is something you've already alluded to, but you have to imagine right now with so many different 
um, education companies and apps and tools making their services available for free, which is admirable. Um, how, how is a parent or teacher supposed to know what is good and safe and high quality versus what is not? Like, would you recommend they go to common sense and look what has been approved or use their best judgment or, or what's the protocol there? Uh, well, I would 150% recommend they come to Common Sense to, <laughs> to check it out. Um, uh, but I, I actually used Common Sense before I worked at Common Sense. Um, so just speaking as a parent and a former teacher, there really are amazing resources and well curated and streamlined. So um we have a landing page around this particular issue, the coronavirus for parents, you know, landing page for teachers. Um, and they are not overwhelming. Um, and they are divided up into need, category, topic. Um, so you can find what you're looking for uh, and know that it's, you know, all, all of these tools, all of this advice is vetted by experts and uh, research-based. So yes, I, I would recommend people uh, come to us, use our resources, and there are tons of, of other resources out there as well. Um, because it, it does feel like everybody's trying to come together, free concerts, you know, artists on YouTube, um, you know, giving little lessons to kids and so there's lots out there and we should definitely take advantage of all the resources. Awesome. Um, well, I do want to give you an opportunity if there's anything else that I didn't ask you or any advice that you didn't feel you had the chance to impart. Um, the floor is yours. Um, I think for parents also who are wondering about if their kids or how their kids could connect with friends, you know, if they're asking, can I play with so-and-so and you're not feeling comfortable with face-to-face uh, -face, uh, playtime right now, there are ways they can connect. Um, so there are, there are games they can play together. Um, of course, Switch games and some Steam games, but Super Mario Maker 2, um, Bunch is an app where kids can play games together. Uh, house party with supervision. Kids can go on there and um, hang out together virtually. And airtime is another one where they can watch videos together and talk. So there are ways um, to virtually connect with people. And then kids can have that peer-to-peer -peer connection that they may not be getting, especially if they don't have remote school right now. Thank you so much, Christine. I appreciate your time and wish you well. Thank you so much. And you too, stay safe and well. This has been the Ed Surge Podcast. Each week, we bring you conversations like this one. So if you like what you hear, subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more about how educators are navigating the COVID-19 outbreak, you can also tune in to our new weekly webinars. For K-12 Conversations, that's every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. For Higher Ed, tune in on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. 
This episode was edited by me, Emily Tate, and produced by Jeff Young. We'll be back next week with more on the future of education. Thanks for listening.